You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Social media gives uh, cowards the the right to say whatever they want with no consequences. And so I guess that's one of those things that, you know, with this uh, profession that we're in, you know, you got to take to, you know, take it to, for what it is. Um, don't let it affect you. I mean, it doesn't affect me. You know, people can say whatever they want as long as, you know, the people in this building and you know, my family, they all care about me. That's all that matters. You're listening to the best Packer radio show on the Internet. Cheesehead Radio. I want to be a lifetime Cheesehead. Green Bay Packer. You're looking good today. So let's go out there with that Aaron Rodgers is the best football player I've ever seen, ever. Aaron Rodgers goes deep on second two. He's got a lead in Devontae Adams. He's the Defense is going to get a lot of team struggles. We got a defense. Once again, we got a defense. Cheesehead Radio. Hello again, Cheesehead Nation. We are back with another episode of Cheesehead Radio. Now in our 11th season, your trio of hosts tonight are the disappointed Kelly Hodson, that Packer girl on Twitter. Also joining us is the Dismayed C.D. Angeli, Tundra Vision on Twitter, and little old me, Jersey Al of Packers Talk and Cheesehead TV. You can find me at Jersey Al GBP on Twitter. Coming up later in the show will be our Hot Pockets and our game predictions. But first, it's time for the Packers Playbook. The Playbook. Hey, um, C.D. Yeah. Yeah, what's with the title? Stay Puff, Cotton Ball, and Dryer Lint. What is that? Oh. Things that burst into flames for 600, Alex? Or what does it mean? <laughs> oh, you said Alex. Anyway. I know. But I can't. I do they have a host? I can't come up with a new name. Ken Jennings. But Ken anyway. Ken Jennings is going to temporarily do it. <laughs> it but. doesn't have the same. Okay. So Meanwhile. anyway, do you, re- do you remember when we had Dom Capers? And he always had these really creative names for his defensive schemes. Remember like Psycho? The Psycho uh, pack? we never yeah. saw. The Psycho Big Oki and all that. Yeah. These are what I'm determining are the Mike Pecker <laughs> names for his uh, defensive scheme. So we have Stay Puffed. I which, get it. <laughs> which is the three-man rush. We have Cotton Ball, which is on third and seven. We back up our defensive backs 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. Uh, and Dryer Lint is we just open up like the Red Sea, and we allow running backs to run straight upfield. So so it is. What, what three things easily burst into flames i was right i get 600 bucks i'm not sure i get the last one Ireland, you set it on fire it goes poof no 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 not your explanation his explanation oh i'm just saying they're all really soft things we have a very soft defense yeah but the so first the first two were kind of logical dryer lint doesn't really fit anyway. uh, dryer lint doesn't have a purpose other than to throw it away okay in any case we're in a great mood tonight. Now Let's talk about that out. <laughs> well, a tough loss on Sunday to the Indianapolis Colts. It has really taken Packer Nation to various levels of coping with grief and loss uh, throughout the week. Um, it's been a crazy week. It's been crazy dealing with some of the after effects, a lot of blame games going on, a lot of people really upset with whether it be Aaron Rodgers, whether it be Marcus Valdez-Scantling, whether it be the defense, Mike Pettin, uh, going all the way up to Matt LaFleur, going to uh, Gutekunst and how he's drafting 
just a lot of angst this week. And, you know, we're sitting here, we're, we're going into week 12. Hard to believe. That it is. That we made it this far. <laughs> I'm really surprised considering that the Badgers are not playing this weekend and they didn't oh, make it this far twice. How many games have they missed? This will be their third. Third? Okay. This time it's not their fault, though. But this is the NFL, yeah. and the NFL does not give up that easily when there are dollar signs. Oh, you end up with a Tuesday night game heads. that nobody watches. But did you see, and I, I was listening uh, to NFL radio on my drive today, Baltimore's uh, yeah. Thanksgiving night game has been moved because yes, one case of COVID, but they couldn't move that San Francisco Packer game. One positive. But case. I'm not going to complain about beating San Francisco. Okay, I'll play the JV squad. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it did work out in our advantage. I'm a scheming it? opportunist when it comes to wins. It's like a win's a win. Who cares about style points? They now have three players on the COVID list. Just it's three, three players more. now. Okay. Four, I guess. So they added three. It says. It's kind of like finding a mouse in the house. If you have a mouse, you know there are more. Okay. Anyway, we talked a little bit right away about this blame and. A player who tends to be getting the bulk share of said blame, uh, especially coming out on Sunday night, was Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Uh, he of the very unfortunate fumble in overtime, deep in her own territory, which really did end up being the final nail in the coffin. But there was a lot of nails that were driven in before that. <laughs> ton of nails. Yeah, death by a thousand paper cuts. This happened to be the last paper cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think of, yeah, it, you remember the last mistake, but how many mistakes happened to get us to overtime in the first place? Yeah. Well, I mean, this was a game that was wrapped up at halftime. I mean, we came out of halftime yeah. and we thought, oh, man, this game is pretty over. good. Oh, I thought we and were going to hang 50 boom. points on them, but it, they didn't implode it. There's plenty of blame to go around. You have Darius Shepard fumbling, you know, opening kickoff of the half out of the coming out of the end zone on a kick return. That was a killer. Plenty of, plenty of other people to blame, but let's talk a little bit about MVS just because he's been the story. And it's been nice to see some people rallying around him after he kind of started getting a bit of that Brandon Bostic treatment. Yeah, and actually, Brandon Bostic came to his defense. Which I thought it was you, very classy. Yeah, if you saw that, I, I don't remember what it was, but probably something like, I think it was like, I've been, been there, you know, something like that. And uh, he gave him a few encouraging words. So. That was interesting. I, I mean, yeah. And it's not like obnoxious fans say? need to let MVS know he screwed up. You looked at him on the sidelines. He was well aware of what happened. I don't think he needed to be remediated on it. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, this is where we are in 2020 uh, with social media and people out there. So you just have to expect it and just ignore it, which is pretty much what he's doing from what he said. Pretty good of him to actually go on and uh, – and chat with reporters the very next day. You know, the Packers asked him if he was willing to talk on the Zoom, and he, he could have said, no, I don't want to, and he just jumped right on and owned it, and I thought he did a, a heck of a good job there. Well, right after the game, he tweeted, and he asserted himself with the moral high ground, and I thought that really showed a lot of maturity. Yeah. But I think everyone, as they're ready to tar him, feather him, forget that he is the one that gave him a chance to get to overtime. Like, the half Mary was to him. Yeah, I mean, any normal fan knows that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, you know, and let's be honest, we've given MVS his share of criticism on this show. But let's be honest. In terms you have. Of, well, I have, absolutely. But I've been critical, too, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't, just, been, I haven't crossed that line, you know. 
No, and and being critical of a player isn't a bad thing. I think part of it is understanding what kind of player he is. He is the kind of player that we want. I mean, we always talk about game-changing players, you know, players that can do something more than just play their position. This is a guy who's high risk, high reward. If you have nothing to lose and you need to pitch that ball up across half the field, he's definitely the guy you want to go to because you have nothing to lose. If you want him to go downfield and draw a, a pass interference penalty on a long play, he's got the speed to get by somebody and force a defensive back to do things to slow him down. What he yeah. is quite ready for yet <laughs> is to be that really consistent possession receiver because every game he runs the wrong route or he drops an easy pass. It's just who he is, and that's fine. And if we understand that, it's the same reason we don't take Swerve and Irvin and try to smash it in on the goal line with them. It's not his place. It's not who he is. So I really think that some of that comes down to MBS has a ways to go to grow, but he's had some great stats. This and just to put it into, into perspective, remember – wanting to tar and feather Devontae Adams his second year. Everyone's like, oh, he's awful. Just get rid of him. He's useless. He drops balls and blah, blah, blah. So we have such a fickle and entitled fan base. You know, the same people that are, were, were, are singing Adams praise wanted him gone and on, the, on a slow boat to Guam when he was early in his career as well. So I think we can uh, successfully say MBS, not the man to blame. Unfortunate place, unfortunate situation. But yeah, this was a team loss, and I think that's how you have to look. Okay, um, another thing that we really should talk about is a big decision that was made late in the game. Three minutes left, Packers are trailing by three. It's fourth and one. They're in field goal range. Do they go for the field goal, or do they go for the first down? Packers go chose to go for the first down. It was not successful. The play that they had set up for Devontae Adams did not work. Rodgers had to look for a um, somebody to dump it off to and, and found Jamal Williams, but put it over his head, and they gave the ball back to the Colts. Now, in the end, it didn't hurt them because they were able to get the ball back and, and come down to, you know, to tie the game, but what do we think of that decision? I've said this before. I'm I'm pretty conservative when it comes to putting up points. If you've got easy points, whether it's three or seven, always go for the easy points because we got lucky we got the ball back. Had we knocked it through through and scored three then, when we got the ball back, we could have, instead of have that tying field goal at the end, it could have been three points to go ahead. Yeah, that's the it's me with the retrospectoscope, but I'm pretty conservative when it comes to, to scoring points. Never leave easy points on the field. CD, what do you think? Oh, you know. Oh, can I wake you up? No, it's just this whole game, especially that whole, you know, third and fourth quarter, which is kind of a litany of, you know, obviously 2020 hindsight type situations where decisions were made. And it's like, why would you do that? You know, this is one you can look at and say, okay, you know, sure. They, if he completes that pass to Devontae or completes it to Jamal Williams, Fleur is a genius and Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. Sometimes that's the risk reward you, you take with this. But yeah, in this situation, take the field goal. Let's, I mean, obviously they had been running ramshot over us the entire half. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to get the points and you got to get what you can and and try to keep things as, as close as, as possible. And like I said, this was a death of a thousand paper cuts. It wasn't just Adam's fumble. It was this decision. It was, you know, Rogers interception. It was just 
bad choices throughout the game. Speaking of which, uh, Aaron Rodgers talked a little bit this week. Obviously, he goes on the uh, Pat McAfee show, and uh, he talked a little bit about the play, if you remember, at the end of the game where he kind of was trying to force that ball into Devontae Adams. And if you remember, Robert Tunyon was sitting wide open on the other side of the field. He was kind of talking about it. He says, well, you know, I'd kind of set it up earlier uh, with this play, and this is why I thought it was going to work, but he was covered. But he still kept looking at that side of the field, and that's where he was going to go. And when it comes to these death of a thousand paper cuts, Kelly, <clears throat> there is a lot of that. And I, and, I, and I hate to put a little bit on Aaron, but I think you have to. Oh, you absolutely have to. He's, he's know, culpable with this as well. Those those first two plays before he actually tried the the, the Hail Mary to uh, MVS the 49 yarder he actually tried for some odd reason deep in our own end zone he tried to force the ball twice into Alan Lazard uh, and I don't know if you guys remember that but they were really forced like really narrow coverage um, and I was like why this is not the time to make sure everybody has the ball but he does seem to be getting this tunnel vision. Uh, when the chips are down, he kind of falls back into maybe some of his old habits. But God, that that's another death by a thousand paper cuts. Run the offense as it's meant to be run. We've been saying this all season. Well, when he panics, he, like you said, he really gets tunnel vision. And he looks exclusively for Devontae, and he often forgets the easy first down. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that play was, was set up for him. Uh, they had run a play like that <clears throat> earlier in the game. It didn't go to Devontae that time, but Devontae was wide open. So, you know, Rogers put that in his memory banks and he said, all right, this worked uh, earlier in the game. We're going to go back to it. Uh, he he did look specifically at Devontae. Now, <clears throat> Dusty uh, Evley just actually had put this um, the clip of that play up on uh, on Cheesehead TV. I was just watching it before we started. And although... You know, the video shows Tanya and wide open. He didn't really get open until Rodgers was forced to throw the ball. You know, he got pressure. Billy Turner lost his battle against whoever he was trying to block. And uh, the player was just about to hit Rodgers. And Rodgers said, all right, I better get get rid of it. And he was still looking at, at Adams at that point. So he didn't really have time to say, oh, Adams is, is uh, covered. Let me look somewhere else. So in fairness to Aaron Rodgers, in that particular case, I don't think I can really blame him. But there were plenty of other examples where, you know, uh, he's done things like that and, you know, has a little bit too much love for Devontae Adams at times. Got a game coming up this weekend against the Chicago Bears going in with a little bit of uh, an injury list. Al, you want to talk to us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, well, there's only 22 players on the on the injured list. Is that time. it? That's all. As magical as Just last year was, remember, remember last year with the injuries and how lucky we were? Well, that's certainly not the case. Now, fortunately, you know, not a lot of major in- injuries this year. And the people on the list here, um, you know, we had five that were fully participated, which means they must have been on the list from last week. So they automatically go on on Wednesday. So they're they're fine. Fourteen listed as limited. And a lot of times you'll see that very often with the first practice of the week. Guys a little banged up here and there and they'll you know, they'll just go easy on them the first the first uh, real practice Uh, and just three did not participate, uh, and I'll tell you who those three were. One was Montrevious Adams, 
who has a toe injury, and I think he's out for three games I had just read before. Yeah, turf toe is going to keep for a while. Just like we had this conversation last year about Devontae. It's, yeah. it's a ligamental injury to the toe. The the other is James Burgess, the linebacker that they had just picked up who hasn't even played, so that's not serious. And the third so we one got is, a lemon? The third one is Josh Jackson with a concussion who did not participate. Um, everyone else... Limited participation. Let me look at some some names. At, at, uh, Devontae Adams, limited. Jair, limited. Um, pick out the biggest names only. Adam Lazard, limited. Corey Lindsley, limited. Uh, and that's it for, like, the, the bigger names. Uh, well, so Liz- even though there's tw- – sorry? I was going to say, Lazard, they, they, they announced before the game he was going to be on a proverbial pitch count anyway. Because yeah. it really does sound like he had – surgery for what sounds like a sports hernia yeah he's listed with the same injury you know core injury so they're taking it easy on him again so he's got a pitch Um, count essentially yeah so i mean there's 22 players but but really you know it's not as bad as it could be (laughs) and if you look at the the quality of the injuries they aren't like horrendous it's adams are going to be judicious with 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 easing him back with his injury same thing with my guess with Corey Lindsley, the same. It's like nobody here you're looking at, other than that toe injury, weeks of who knows. Yeah. Hey, I have a quick uh, quick quiz for you folks. Bring it. There are two players that are currently leading in their position in the Pro Bowl voting, two Packers players. Who are they? Aaron Rodgers. Bakhtiari. Oh. Bakhtiari is one. <laughs> I was right and CD was wrong. So far, there's one more, right? There's one more. Um... Aaron Jones. Eh. Mm. Devontae Adams. Eh. Jason Crosby. Eh. Robert Tanya. <laughs> BJ Sander. No. Oh, now we're going way in the, inch, in, the in, in the interest of moving this show along. We could just name the whole roster. Because you guys right. are right. You could name 51 players and you still will not have said it because the answer is a long snapper, Hunter Bradley. What? How do you like those apples? You know what the best thing about a long snapper, if they do their job well, you rarely know much about them <laughs> because they, you know, it's like, oh my God, yeah. they screwed up. You, you don't know their names. You know, there was, sure there was Brett Good, but a good long snapper is one of these unsung heroes. You know, they yeah. get the job done. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I just wonder how you get like, recognized by the fans as being the best long snapper <laughs> is it just a whole bunch of homerism let's vote for everybody on well the then everybody. then you would see more packers right if they're voting for the long snapper or maybe no other team's fans are bothering to vote for their team's long they snapper don't know who they are Again, that might be it that might be it yeah. i didn't know the name of our long snapper <laughs> anyway that... dude you're in the running for the pro ball woo woo <laughs> That was pretty funny when I saw that. I saw two Packers players like, oh, let me see who it is. <laughs> I would have gotten there eventually. Yeah, 51 uh, tries <laughs> later. <laughs> when you do it by numbers or alphabetical order, that's the big question. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, so the Green Bay Packers have a chance in this longtime venerable rivalry game against the Chicago Bears, have a chance to get their 100th win in the series. Uh, the standings now are at... 99 to 95 with six ties. How is that for a great series in which the two teams are essentially still at this point, only four games apart after what? Almost 200 games. That's amazing. Years, yeah. Quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, I when I became a, a Packer fan back like in 1980, I remember seeing that 
come up in the newspaper and they would say all-time series and the bears were way ahead well, that's because like, we had the 80s and we were heading into the 80s where we stayed behind now we also had the 50s and the 70s and a lot of other <laughs> year decades where we've the had bears some dry decades haven't we, we have <laughs> um, but the Packers since 92 have really, really a series. And the fact that we've evened it up, because I remember, I don't remember what it was at the time, but I know we're at least 20, 25 games uh, behind the bears in the series. And, and we've not only made that up, we've uh, gone ahead. So definitely. Rightfully so, I should say. Absolutely. Yes. But these, this is one of these games I really hate calling my shot because I, I'm absolutely convinced that Dick Chang and I, when we were on out of the pocket, Curse the Packers for Rogers' first clavicle injury. We we did our show the day before because we're like, ah, oh, we'll do it before. We'll make our predictions. We were obnoxious, like Babe Ruth pointing to the stands, and then he got hurt. So yeah. I don't want to curse them ever again. So yeah, don't you dare. <sighs> well, here's the good news. Uh, uh-huh. Starting oh, for the Bears quarterback. Let's mm. do a quiz. Ah, ah, Let's do a quiz. Here's our quiz, Jersey. This Al. is good news. Who, who is gonna start for the Bears? at quarterback on Sunday. Guess who's back? Guessing. Good old Mitch is back. Oh, I hope he has some stupid crap to say this week that makes him sound like he's all that in a bag of chips, just like he always does. It's like, stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we spoke earlier about the general intellect sometimes of a a massive fan base, and it's interesting that Bears fans have been screaming uh, for much of the first part of the season to bench Trubisky and put in fulls, and now literally... The Bears fans are begging to put him back in, and and they're complying, which is why we don't let fan bases make uh, coaching or GM decisions in general. Oh, no, no. no. (laughs) That is correct. We do not do that. So I haven't followed Bears news this week. Foles got hurt at the end of the game. I saw that. Is he hurt, or was he benched for performance? He's hurt. Okay. Actually, they're both hurt. Well, no. um, Trubisky is now officially back. He practiced today. Foles did not. But that was, they were both hurt for a period of time. Yes, that. absolutely. And then it was yeah, like, oh my God, yes, QB3 is going to play. And now supposedly Trubisky is fully healthy, and now Foles is, did not practice today. So all, be- And it's not definite yet. They're going to do the, oh, well, well, we'll decide on Sunday, you know, just so the Packers can't just plan on one guy. But you know, I think it's pretty obvious that Trubisky is going to be the one that's going to play. But this would be a great week to have a banner game from the smith brothers welcome back (laughs) well i expect this is always to be a great rivalry game remember that the bears were undefeated was it through four or five games to start the season this year uh, I, I don't, were they undefeated? I know they were five and one at some five point. Five and one right? at some point. Yeah, they, were, they were right there. before we did. So. Four and one or five and one, something like that. Right. Um, you know, this is a big game for them because this really is going to kind of shoot their playoff hopes, even with the expanded playoffs. It's it's this is going to be a big game for them, and and I think maybe as we've gone through these last couple of weeks getting, you know, a very narrow victory against the terrible Jaguars, followed by a really complete collapse against the Indianapolis Colts, which are a good team, but, you know, they had a worse record than we did. Do you think the Bears are going to come into here and really think they got a shot? Absolutely. They always do. Yeah, with with their defense, they're always going to think they have a shot. They're going to hope that, you know, they force a couple of fumbles, running back for a touchdown and that'll be squash Aaron Rodgers, And that's (laughs) what they're always hoping. And it is scary because 
these are the kind of defenses that have put the handcuffs on our offense this year. Absolutely. Fast, aggressive, uh, physical defenses with fast linebackers. So. so it's important to really establish the run early in this game so that the pressure goes gets taken off of Rodgers to try to thread the needle all game long. Yeah. Which they did seem to go away from in the Colts, which I think as you sit back and look at you know 44 yards rushing, you really have to sit there and say, okay, yeah, I know they have a good defense, but... But we gave up the run. We totally rolled yeah. over and went belly up. It's funny because total of 15 attempts, right? Now, the previous week, they had more than that. They had 20-something, and LaFleur was complaining about, you know, has to be more dedicated to get more run plays in there. So what happened? I don't know. We were up by, I like, a million know. points at halftime. I don't yeah. know the reason why you so wouldn't have. Why wouldn't you run the was... ball? I don't think it was a territorial pissing match between Lafleur and Rodgers either, because you show them on the sidelines, they were collaborating and trying to figure it out. So it wasn't like Rodgers taking it all on his shoulders going, screw it, we're just going to throw it all. Yeah, I mean, they're, the, the Colts come out and have that long drive and score a touchdown, right? The Packers run Jones on the first play for three yards, and then two passes from Rodgers, three and out, and they're punting. And then the Colts come back and run again. And then they come out with more passes, three and out, four and out, actually. And uh, and that's it. That's where they gave up, right, at the start of the second half. And that makes zero sense with a lead. Is that they got outcoached? Or did they just kind of let up the gas way too soon, thinking just like I thought that they were going to hang 50 on, on the opponent? Because you can't do that against the Bears. They got a little overconfident, like, hey, we can throw the ball around and we can score on them at will. Well, <laughs> well, one team made good adjustments and one team kind of sat on their thumbs. Yeah. All right. Well, that will take us to the end of this week's playbook. All right. We've reached the point in the show where each of us get a final moment to get up on our soapbox and read you all the riot act of whatever's going on inside our head. This is our Hot Pockets and Jersey Al Bracco. We'll start with you. The Indianapolis Colts are a very good team with a top five defense and a savvy veteran quarterback. Their record's now 7-3, and three, the same as the Packers. The reason they're now 7-3 and three is that the Packers handed them a win that should have been theirs. Up by two touchdowns at halftime, it should have been a comfortable win for Green Bay. Instead, it soon became obvious which team made the right adjustments at halftime. Despite that, if the Packers don't turn the ball over, they win the game anyway. But even accepting the turnovers, if they could just for once stop a two-point conversion, Mason Crosby's late field goal would have been a game winner. So what does all of this mean? It means the Packers are a damn good team. We always find things to complain about, but in the end, they are legitimate contenders. Now, it'll take better efforts over a full 60 minutes, but if they can find that consistency, this team is capable of beating any team in the NFL and winning a Super Bowl. And that is my Hot Pockets. Such positivity. Oh, yeah. Peter Positive today. Come on, people. Act like you've been here before.
There's being upset at a win, and then there's just being a jerk about it. I get it. It's frustrating. Finley had butterfingers against the Giants when they dominated the Packers in the 2012 playoff game. Brandon Bostic still gets harassed years after he botched the onside kick when the Packers lost to the Seahawks. We win some, we lose some, and if we're grown adults, we learn to get over it. Rant, scream, pull your hair out, I don't care. But you know what's absolutely disgusting and forever unacceptable? It's harassing a player for being human and making a mistake. That's the common denominator that all three of these players have received from a small pocket of our fan base, reaching across the internet to personally harass them. I must be lucky. I don't follow that type of pond scum on social media, so I didn't really see it. But I'm absolutely appalled at the death threats currently being lobbed at Marquez Valdez Scantling. Some of you are acting like catty little middle schoolers with an anonymous account encouraging him to, and I quote, go kill yourself. One, turn off Twitter. Two, delete your account. Three, get a freaking life. And four, go find something else to obsess over and stop calling yourself a Packer fan. Because fans don't do that. Seriously, grow up and go away if that is your only contribution to the Packer Nation. And that is my... Hot Pockets! Adding to the issues that Kelly just ranted about, there was another concerning incident that came out of the MVS backlash. But this time, it was from the media. During the post-game press conference, a local radio guy, Mark Daniels of WNFL, Perhaps thinking he was funny or clever, asked Matt LaFleur how he can, and I quote, live with MVS. The look on LaFleur's face told the story that, while it will become a funny Packer meme for years, was illustrative of the shock that anyone could ask that kind of question. LaFleur handled it professionally, but it was clear that the rest of the press corps had had enough, with a longtime member tweeting it out and calling out Daniels by name. Twitter went to work, shunning this local grunt who thought throwing gasoline on the fire of a player receiving death threats was funny for his audience. It didn't get better for him the following morning when he doubled down on his morning show, referring to it as a necessary question, even if it wasn't politically correct. Luckily, continued pressure from Packers Twitter changed Daniels' tune. And by that afternoon, he had issued a personal apology to MVS, removed offensive tweets, and placed an apology on his Twitter page. All of this to say, as much as we complain of our entitled spoiled fan base, nothing made me happier than seeing our Twitter gang come together and rally the wagons around a player who was down. Maybe, just maybe, we're learning. And that is my... Hot Pockets! Cheesehead Radio. Packer Game Predictions. A tough loss for the Packers was followed up this Sunday with a divisional game against our arch enemies, the Chicago Bears, in Lambeau Field. The Packers start out as a big favorite, starting out with a eight and a half point spread against the Bears. But we all know that while we can throw the records out when these two teams meet, there's a lot of desperation for both teams. The second half collapse for the Packers suffered against the Colts has essentially been the second half for the entire Bears season. We want to get a win to get the boat on the right track, but the Bears literally need this win to stay in the playoff hunt at all. This is probably the Bears' Super Bowl, so expect them to go all out. How do we see this one going, Kelly? We will start with you. Like I said, I don't want to curse the Packers, but hell hath no fury like a football team embarrassed the week before. 
And have I mentioned it's Bears Week? <laughs> to add to the fun, it looks like good old Mitch Trubisky has been constructed into service whether the Bears want him or not. He's what they have. The Bears still suck, Mitch still stinks, and the Packers are going to win. Packers 27, Bears 13. Well, as Kelly just mentioned, it looks like Mitchell Trubisky will likely make his return as Bears starting quarterback against the Packers. Now, will all that time on the bench have helped him, as his coach claimed today in the <laughs> Zoom call? Or will we see the same old Mitch we know and love? I'm going with the latter. Packers 22, Bears 10. Last week, I predicted a Packer route. And for one half of the game, I was completely correct. I just forgot about the second half. This week, I think the opposite's going to happen. A Bears team that is going to be playing out of its mind in the first half with a physical defense will take the Packers out of the game. Only this time, Matt LaFleur is going to make adjustments at halftime, and the Packers win going away over Trubisky and company 24-14. to 14. Going for the old reversal of fortune approach. It's reverse psychology. I'm hoping I'm going to Got do it. something that helps them win. Got it. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Cheesehead Radio in our 11th season. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com, where you can explore several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalkNet on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers Talk podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcatching app. You can also find us on Siri, Alexa, or Google just by saying, Play Packers Talk Podcast. That's a wrap. Go Pack Co. And it's not an end until the boys change the script where the word poop shows up somewhere. Good night. Good night, all. Go Pack Go. Bears Week, go get it. Dead Radio. That was a struggle, Bess. Holy cow. Hey, you turned into me. I was going <laughs> to say, I felt like Kelly there. <laughs> I, could, <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get that out. My gosh. You know what? what the problem was, the tongue twister was Lafleur's face. I know. That's hard. Say, say that three times fast. Lafleur's Yeah, you end up wanting to do Lafleur's face. Lafleur's face. Lafleur's face. Okay, you're Italian. Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> what does that mean? Face, Lafleur's face, Lafleur's face. You have to almost pause, or you will. It must Lafleur's be the Wisconsin place. accent that makes it, it harder. Be. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>